The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. Well, good morning to you. Welcome into the Action Line from WGNS. This morning, John Day, local attorney, is with us from the John Day Law Firm. First of all, John, good morning to you. Good morning, Bart. Great Thanks to have you. Thanks for having me here. Well, thank you for making time to come over and visit with us. Interesting show today, interesting topic. Uh, you, in, in this world, you think you can select any attorney that you want, but sometimes it doesn't uh, work that way. Well, there's a lot of times that lawyers cannot help people. And uh, what we're going to talk about today is the circumstances under which uh, a personal injury lawyer may not be able to help you. Why would that be? Well, a, a, a principal reason why somebody who, who calls our office and we can't help them is they're calling about something other than personal injury or wrongful death law. <laughs> what we do is personal injury and wrongful death law. We do not do divorces. We do not do child custody disputes. We do not help people collect child support. We don't do landlord tenants. We can't write wills. Uh, so people are familiar with our na- <coughs> excuse me. They're familiar with our name, uh, and they call and they bring a legal problem to us. It's just not within our area of expertise, and. We like to think we know what we know and that we know what we don't know. And what we know is personal injury and wrongful death law, and what we don't know is most other types of law. So if you, if you call us and many, many other lawyers who do personal injury work and have a legal problem in something other than that area, um, you're going to be told, I'm sorry, we can't help. Now, I will say this. Many times we are able to pass on the name of a lawyer or lawyers who can help with that problem. And we're happy to take those calls, but we are not going to be able to help uh, the people who call with non-personal injury or non-wrongful death type issues. So in other words, the laws are so complicated, and that's why it's important to have an attorney represent you, but they're so complicated, you have to specialize in certain areas. I I think of the most dramatic change in the law— uh, other than first the fax machine and second <laughs> email uh, that I've seen in the last 42 years that I've been doing this is an increased specialization in the law. And I think part of that is due to complexity. Part of it is due to lawyers wanting to feel comfortable about an area and digging into it deeper. And so that naturally leads to specialization. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that there are many, many, many more lawyers today who specialize in one or two practice areas than was true uh, 40 years ago. So 40 years ago, would there be a lawyer that was sort of like a general practitioner, like a doctor that handles everything? Oh, oh yes. Uh, particularly as communities uh, were... when communities were smaller and the smaller towns. So there was general practitioners in Nashville 40 years ago. There certainly was here. There are still general practitioners in Winchester and Waynesboro and Lawrenceburg 
in towns of that size. Um, but so it's yes, but but that is that is uh, even in the smaller towns, you see more and more lawyers limiting the things that they do. They may practice rather than being a general practitioner. They may only do three or four things. So it's really a, a, a calling, I guess. So when when you look at, I've decided to be a lawyer, but I don't want to be in the big city. I want to serve this community here, the smaller one. Yeah, I th- I think I think lawyers are uh, like many other people. Um, they believe that what they do helps people. I mean, I think plumbers help people, electricians help people, doctors help people, all of us. And many of us are drawn to the work that we do to help others. And at some point, some people decide, I can help more people the best possible way by limiting what I do, as opposed to expanding what I do. As you get your formal education to be an attorney, uh, do you start out as sort of a a general attorney? You get a general background and then... Somewhere along the line, you decide to go in a specific area. Every lawyer, uh, at least for the first two years, pursues largely the same type of coursework. There's some variation, some so-called electives that lawyers take. Uh, And that was true 40 years ago, and that's still true today. In the third year of a three-year law school program, People tend to gravitate more towards areas they think they're interested in, or if they're unsure, they take a variety of different types of things. Just say, well, I wonder if I would be interested in this. But that's where it stops. I mean, the fact of the matter is, in the law, when you come out of law school, you are not, um, you don't have a specialty. It's sort of like when you finish medical school after four years, you do not have a specialty. You have a foundation. The difference between the law school educational system and the medical system is that in medicine, medical school graduates go into a internship for a year, and then they pick specialty tracks to go down some of which are another couple of years, and some maybe six or seven years. We don't have that in law. It's an interesting debate whether we should or not, but we do not. So when people come out of law school, with the exception of three, four, or five courses, they all have basically the same education, uh, and it may be leaning towards trial work, for instance, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be a trial lawyer uh, or stay in that track. And the vast majority of people come out with an interest in, say, corporate law or an interest in tax law, but no extra special training in that area. That's on-the-job training. We have a question here from a listener who's uh, sent this in by text. And they're asking, uh, some lawyers have a doctorate of jurisprudence. Uh, is that different from other law degrees? Are there uh, law degrees that you don't have? Is that like a PhD? Almost every law degree these days is a doctor of jurisprudence, a JD degree. Um, historically, there was something called LLBs, which are Bachelor of Law degrees, 
but the the lawyers had the same degree of education. Uh, so it's an interesting twist that lawyers all have a doctorate degree, but don't use the uh, moniker doctor. <laughs> we don't refer to ourselves uh, that way. But no, a doctor of jurisprudence is a law degree, and virtually every lawyer still practicing law today has that same degree. Interesting. I had not heard that. What made you decide to go into the area of personal injury and wrongful death law? I had a great mentor, a gentleman by the name of John T. Connors Jr., who's uh, passed away. And I worked with him briefly in the summer of 1980 when I was between my second and third year of law school at the University of North Carolina. I came over to Nashville to uh, work for the summer with his firm, and he asked me to help him on a project. Uh, it was a medical malpractice case for a woman who was rendered blind uh, from a drug. And uh, I worked on that lawsuit and helped prepare it for him to file. And then uh, they offered me a job at the end of the summer which meant that in August of 1980, I had a job waiting for me in May of 1981. So I went back to law school, and during that year, I got a letter from Mr. Connors, and he asked if I would mind doing some work for him. When I got back, I said, well, I'm an employee. I do what I'm told. <laughs> I'll do whatever anybody asks me to do, sir. Thank you. And then we sort of hit it off. And so for the next uh, 11 and a half years, uh, we worked together uh, six or seven days a week uh, doing this type of work, and I quickly fell in love with it. So a mentor sort of got you going in the direction that you wanted to be a part of. Correct. Correct. Have you felt that desire to reach out and, and be a mentor to someone else? Well, I'd like to think... I've been a mentor to a bunch of people uh, over the years. I would leave it to them to judge whether or not I've done a good job at it. But I, for instance, you've met um, Brandon Bass in my office. Brandon uh, started practicing law with me 20 years ago. Uh, Laura Baker, who you know, started practicing law with me 17 years ago. And I would like to think that I've uh, helped them. Um, I would be honored if I helped them as much as Mr. Connors helped me, if they would feel that way. But I'll leave that for them to uh, address. I was, uh, but I do think, you know, any of us um, who um, love what we do and are proud of what we do would like to pass those skills and lessons on to others, right? Things that you've learned. And, and I think you. Pass it on to your clients, too. I hope so. I mean, I, uh, and, and one of the reasons I'm here uh, this morning rather than sitting in my office is I think it's important that clients and the public understand the way the law works, uh, especially now when there's so much controversy in society about where the rule of law is headed. Um, it, I will tell you that it, I firmly believe that the legal system largely works. 
It is not perfect. Anything run by humans will never be perfect. But there are lots and lots of judges and lawyers and legislators who want to do the right thing. They may disagree what is right, but their hearts are in the right place. And I think many, many people are trying to move the law and therefore justice forward. And to the extent that I can help people understand that and also, quite frankly, point out the law's shortcomings, I'm happy to do that. Yeah. We have another question here from a listener, and they're asking, we start out each year with so many new laws being introduced. Does it sometimes seem that those new laws are so similar to laws that are already on the book that you don't know which law to use in your case, and it gets confusing and muddies the water? Not in my practice area. Uh, quite frankly, the, the laws that are passed are either expanding rights, restricting lights, rights, or filling holes. That is, there's some hole in the law that needs to be addressed, and the legislature fills it, or the Supreme Court identifies the, the hole in the law and fills it. So I, uh, there are still many, many areas of the law that I am uncertain about what the answer is, uh, I think any honest lawyer would tell you they feel the same way, as would uh, your ju- local judges. <laughs> and by local, I mean everyone in this state. There are some areas of the law that are not crystal clear. But I don't think that's gotten worse over time. I think it's just the natural, uh, the the. It's the way things work when we communicate with each other using words. And people hear words differently and read words differently. And therefore, there's going to be disagreements over what those words mean. Honest, good faith disagreements many, many times. Here's another. This is an interesting one. This, this person says, I'm a salesperson. And I'm on the road almost every day. And I've been listening to you since you started on this station. And you've talked many times about these big trucks being tied together in caravans and driven uh, by satellite. I've, I've tried to look at the trucks to determine if that's one of them. Is there a way to know if it's uh, one of those new vehicles? Well, it's... it's um the way that you would be able to tell is there would be three, four, five in a row that are relatively close together because they would just as soon not have cars coming in between them. You won't know much about it and you don't read much about it because when the legislature allowed trucking companies to do that, they do not have to report that they're doing it. So it's it's not just a test anymore. They're allowing it to do it. They're allow yes. It is it is t- t- totally legal to do it, but there's no re- special reporting of it when it's being done, or whether that type of vehicle or any other self-driving vehicle has been in an accident. Our state does not require that that sort of information be gathered and made public. So with these big trucks doing it. 
on a regular basis, it sounds like. Well, how, how close are we with cars? Well, I don't, I don't know that they're doing it on a regular basis, Bart. I really oh, okay. don't, because okay. we're not, we are, we're not being told. Aha. Okay. okay, that was part of the thing that I I complained about. I testified on this in front of the legislature, and I thought transparency was important. I thought if we're going to start allowing self driving vehicles on our roads, then we and we need to understand how safe they are. And one way to measure that is whether or not they're involved in incidents uh, where there's property damage or people get hurt. So in California and in uh, Arizona, there are regulations that say we're going to gather information about accidents in this place and make it available from time to time so that we can understand what's happening out there and whether further regulation is necessary. I remember testifying on this point to a, a particular state representative who's from Upper East Tennessee, and I said, sir, given the, the information that, that we have from California at this time, if you drove from your home to Nashville, your self-driving function in your car would have failed six times. <laughs> I mean, the average, it, it could run about 45 miles or so reliably, and then it would shut itself off. Now, that doesn't mean there's going to be a wreck. Because you get a warning if it's shutting itself off. My point is... At that time, self-driving vehicles were not ready for prime time, and in my opinion, were not ready to be on the streets without careful government oversight. Tennessee, Tennessee chose not to do that. I'm disappointed in that, but I'm just a voter. So the trucks can do that, the, the cars cannot. They call it tru no, trucks, it's called platooning. When these trucks come are together, yes. Okay. And there's a driver in the lead one, and the rest sort of tag along behind. They have a driver for oversight, but he or she would not be have hands-on control. Correct. But would they if situations changed quickly? Ch situations changed quickly. With a vehicle going 70 miles an hour that can weigh 50, 60, oh, 70,000 pounds. There's, yes. There's the danger. Right? Well, I think. And, and I, I don't mean to sound like the person who's not in favor of progress. Because I think everything can be made better than it is. <laughs> and that includes the operation of vehicles on the roadway, right? And I'm excited about the possibility of having... Um, driverless vehicles operate in our society. I think it opens up a potential lot of doors and may prevent, ultimately, people from getting hurt and killed. But if we're going to change the rules of the game of driving on public roads, we need to make sure those rules are safe and fair. I'll give you an example. I was in Austin, Texas two weeks ago on business. I got up at 5 o'clock in the morning, went for a walk, they have driverless taxis in Austin, Texas. Driverless taxis? Driverless taxis. No driver in there at all. No driver in there at all. Okay. 
I, so I stood in the street corner and watched these taxis to make a corner. Every single one of them made a, a right turn that would be illegal under Tennessee law. Now, I don't know about Texas law, but every single one turned right and went into the second lane, not the, in, not the lane that's closest to the curb. They turned right and went into the second lane over on a four-lane street. See what I'm saying? So they went the right direction, but they didn't go in the lane closest to the curb. That is a violation of Tennessee law. So and did every you take single one of those? Did you ride in one? The, Are you drinking over there, Bart? What? What? You think <laughs> I'm crazy? Heck, no! I'm not going to get in it. I, you know, I wonder what people thought. Do you call a taxi? Here's a taxi pulls up, stops. It doesn't say hop in. The door doesn't know. I don't guess the door opens. Uh, no, I don't. I don't know. I didn't see anybody actually get in. I just saw them running around. Wow. Yeah, and they're they're very active in San Francisco too. But Texas is, as you know, pushing the trying to push the envelope in the self-driving vehicle world. And yeah, they've got these taxis running around. I saw six or eight of them. So you're not walk. for self-driving vehicles right now? I'm for experimentation of self-driving vehicles that is carefully monitored by somebody other than those who are going to make money off of them. Okay. So, <laughs> and that's you know, I, and, and I'm not saying that Elon Musk is a criminal. I'm not criticizing Ford. I'm not criticizing GM. I'm not criticizing anybody who's trying to adopt self-driving vehicle technology. But I just think that you don't have foxes guarding or creating the security plan for the chicken coop. And you don't have people who stand to profit be the sole monitors of the safety of vehicles when you're having, particularly when you're having a radical change in technology. I just don't think it's in the public interest. Here's another uh, text message from a listener. This one says, I just got back from vacation in Ireland. I was shocked that I could not rent a car any longer because I'm 76 years old. That quit at age 75 in Ireland. Are we going to see this in the United States? And if so, what about the driverless cars for senior citizens? Without that, we won't be able to go places. Well, I hadn't heard about uh, age restrictions um, on the upper end of age. You know, for you can't rent a car in many places if you're not 25 years old. But I hadn't heard about the age restrictions uh, in Ireland, so I have no idea if they're thinking about doing that here. But that is one of the benefits of driverless vehicles. Uh, if they're safe for people who don't have a car, for people who don't feel comfortable driving anymore because of age or some other issue, for people who are blind, for people who don't have an adult son or daughter nearby, um, for people who maybe they lost their license because they made some really bad decisions, but it's important for them to get to work. These are, these are all ways that we can move people from point A to point B and, and keep things flowing, <laughs> and that is all good. My point is it needs to be safe.
We're talking this morning with John Day, local attorney with the John Day Law Firm. We're going to pause for just a moment. We'll be back and continue the conversation. If you have any questions dealing with law and order and with the laws, uh, he is an attorney that specializes in personal injury and wrongful death law. So if you have questions, especially in those areas, send those questions over to 615-893-1450. We'll be right back. We're loud. We're proud. We're blue. WGNS AM and FM, your home for the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. Hi, this is Peter Demas. One of the things that we've done years ago is we've been able to do our orders like our pastas and many other items that we used to be able to put them in large pans. And now we have a catering team that will even deliver it to your home. We can drop it off for you, set it up, or they can come in and pick it up look up our catering menu on www.demasrestaurants.com. This is Peter Demas at Demas's Restaurant, 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. If you're looking for an adoptable cat or kitten, be sure to stop by and take a peek in our cat room downstairs. For those of you that prefer scaly friends to furry ones, we have you covered at Animal City. Come in and find your next pre-loved, pre-spoiled pet here at Animal City. Here at Animal City, we would like to thank Murfreesboro for letting us be your family-owned and operated pet store for 33 years. You can find us at Animal City at 919 Northwest Broad. Good morning. A couple of minor accidents still in their clearing stages now. It's still heavy out here in a couple of spots, like 24 up to the Hickory Hollow area coming in from Rutherford County, Murfreesboro up towards Nashville. 840 looks like it's still running a little bit slow westbound through Paytonsville through that section of Williamson County. 65 still busy here at Trinity Lane. And it's still a little bit slower than normal from our earlier wreck that's being cleared 24 eastbound at Whites Creek Pike there in the Jolton area. Nash Painting services all of Middle Tennessee. Check out their website today at nashpainting.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. We'll see sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the mid-80s. Northeast winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, low near 56. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 54. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. Money issues? There's someone local you can talk to. Financial Coaching Radio with certified financial planner Jason Qualls. Weekdays at 4 on News Radio WGNS. Hey, welcome back. Want to remind you that our show this morning is being powered by Middle Tennessee Electric. And this important message for you, if you're one of those who drops off your electric bill by physically going to the electric department and going through the drive through there's some changes coming up and you need to listen closely. If for the past 30, 40 or so years, you've taken that bill to the electric department there on Walnut Street, 205 North Walnut. Friday, tomorrow, will be the last day you can do that because if you go over there Monday, you'll notice that the lights are out. Maybe they didn't pay the bill. I know. <laughs> I'm sure they paid the bill. <laughs> but there won't be anybody there. Uh, they're moving. And Monday, instead of going to North Walnut, starting Monday, you have two choices of places to go and pay your bill and 
ask any questions to. Those two locations are the central office at 555 North Island, rather North Wal- North Salem, where's my mind? North Salem Highway, that's the road to Eagleville over by the jail, that general vicinity. The other one's at 326 St. Andrews Drive. You know where that is. So those two locations starting Monday, last time to go through the North Walnut location is Friday night at five. After that, it'll be history. John Day, local attorney, is with us this morning. We're talking about really cars and some interesting things. Uh, He is a personal injury and wrongful death lawyer. We're talking about sometimes lawyers cannot help you because they don't specialize in that type of uh, legal work. It's very complicated these days. Well, I think, uh, let me put it to you this way, Bart, about... Uh, 20 years ago, I wrote the first edition of a book that has to do with the law of personal injury and wrongful death in Tennessee. And the book at the time was about 400 pages. And it was a, a book of leading cases. And this is designed to help lawyers and judges quickly put their hands on important law uh, in the area of personal injury and wrongful death. That book today is 1500 pages wow. and I don't I can't remember how many editions I'm I'm on now uh, and as I started to write that book and I'm almost embarrassed to say this out loud maybe you're not supposed to admit this I I didn't know what I didn't know <laughs> that's how I mean the, things change that that's Fast. one reason why I did it is because I thought you know there's a lot out here and I could be a service to other lawyers and to judges by gathering this information, and the more I got into it, the more I realized I didn't know. And now, 20-some years later, um, there's still things I don't know, but um, a lot of the stuff I knew do know is in this book. <laughs> so, uh, and and it, yeah, it, it, I've, there's still always more to learn, even if you're only practicing in a limited area. Uh, here's another question uh, from a listener. They're hung up on these driverless cars. Yeah. It looks like it's the wave, wave of the future. <laughs> yeah, uh, They sell them in Tennessee. They're two well, they don't sell them in Tennessee. Driverless cars? Not, not, well, they sell Teslas. And, yes. They, I, I, was, I was thinking taxis. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. No, they do sell. I mean, and my car has got a self-driving feature on it, as a matter of fact. Uh, I have a Cadillac. But you never put it in that feature, though. <laughs> I don't. No, no, I don't no. because it won't stay on that feature. It in other words, it? it jumps out of it for no reason whatsoever. So I'm driving down the road, down the interstate, and uh, when it's on, there's a green ring around my steering wheel. And then I will get a flashing red light to tell me to take control for no reason whatsoever. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it monitors your eyes to make sure your eyes are on the road. I know to keep my eyes on the road. It, even when I have my eyes on the road, it'll kick me out of the self-driving function. And I just got frustrated with it, so I don't use it. Have you, you mentioned you just returned recently from Texas where you saw 
taxis with, yeah. no, with no driver. Self-driving taxis. That's right. Yes. And that Austin has started this program. It's and it's a the Chevrolet uh, self-driving car called a Cruise, and they're running taxis. I just looked during the break. They're running taxis from I think it's eight or ten o'clock at night until five thirty in the morning. Remember, I said that I saw them so when I went for a walk traffic. at five. There's less traffic. That's they're breaking these in slowly, and they've got them running around town. And they look like these Google vehicles. If you've ever been uh, seen a Google vehicle that's mapping uh, our community, that's what these cars look like. They've got a camera mounted on top. There's other cameras. And they're labeled Cruise in big letters uh, on the side of them. Uh, you can figure out pretty quickly what they are. And they run around the streets of Austin. So if you order a taxi... And this vehicle pulls up with the camera on top and there's nobody inside. Do you have the choice of getting in or, or what do you do? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. My guess is you ask for a driverless vehicle. I, I, but I don't know that. I don't know one way or the other. I should have explored it. I was there on business. and uh, Would you think that uh, if they are in Texas, sooner or later they will be in Tennessee? I think that yes, I think that if that there will be driverless taxis in Tennessee, I think they will be slow to come here. They'll be we're several years away from that. I think they're doing their experimenting in in towns that are more open to that sort of thing. Now, since you're an attorney that specializes in personal injury, and wrongful death law, there are cars nowadays that you can buy that uh, do self-driving really on a limited basis that basically are like the uh, x-rays in front that test, see how close the car is in front of you, LIDAR, yes, how close are they on either side, and they say, when you're on the interstate, just put it in this mode. If the traffic slows down, you slow down. If the traffic stops, you stop. Right, and and it'll just drive forward, keeping your distance between the cars on either side. Yeah, uh, have you had any cases involving those? I I have not. Uh, uh, cases where somebody alleged that that failed or something like that. No, my car does that, so I can hold the steering wheel, but it still will give me warnings and slow me down, apply the brakes. If somebody cuts in front of me, for example, and there's not a safe distance, it'll slow me down, even if I'm on cruise control. I'm a cruise control driver. I get on the interstate, speed limit 70, I sit at 70. But if somebody cuts in front of me and is going a little and slower. that happens a lot, I bet. <laughs> only every five minutes. <laughs> uh, my car will notice and react and slow me down and then will pick up my speed to the extent that car picks up its speed. So that's probably the safest way to drive on the interstate with cruise control. Well, my wife hates it. She won't use cruise control. She does, She likes to have control of every part of the car. I like cruise control uh, because it makes sure I don't speed. So it keeps me operating a car at a safe, uh, safe speed. As you look at some of the cases that you have been handling and your law firm has been handling, are there some times when you, at the end of the case, you think, I wish they had done it this way. They would have been much better off today. Have there been any 
just things that shout to you, John, you need to tell people about that. Oh, this is a four-hour program, Bart. Is that what yes, we're doing? Right. And she said that we're going to. You brought lunch. Good, good. <laughs> that much then. Well, well. Let me say this: the retroscope is 2020. What I mean by that is hindsight is you know um, is is always perfect, and so if any of us look back at anything we've done we can always find some way for improvement um one issue that we see a a lot of times with potential clients is they wait too late to call us um we have this is a general rule in tennessee we have people who uh, we, we have somebody who's injured in a wreck or injured in any sort of personal injury. You have one year from the date you're injured to bring a lawsuit or have the matter settled. We have people who call us two days before that one-year deadline, a week before that one-year deadline, uh, a couple, uh, well, six weeks ago it was, Somebody called us two weeks before that deadline, and it was an extremely serious case that required a whole bunch of investigation. So, yes, I see all the time people who wait, and it's almost always a mistake. And the reason I say that is because evidence disappears. People spend a whole lot of time trying to get things worked out with themselves and do a lot of unnecessary work or work that has to be repeated. And some of those people are just trying to save money on a lawyer. Uh, Some of those people are trying to, um, uh, they're believing that the insurance adjuster is going to take care of them. Um, And some of them just don't want to deal with it. And if there's one thing if you're not going to give me till noon, Bart, if one thing that I would tell people is talk to an experienced personal injury uh, or wrongful death lawyer earlier rather than later, because it can make a material difference in, number one, whether somebody can help you, and number two, whether they can help you in uh, the most efficiently and the most effectively. And somebody listening today is going to be listening to you right this minute and then an hour from now, they're going to need to remember exactly what you said because they should not wait. They need to call you. Yeah, I, 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 I truly believe that. Even if they don't make the decision that day, <laughs> make a call and understand what your rights are and what you can do to help maximize your ability to protect your rights and those calls don't cost anything i mean i spend a tremendous amount of my time talking to people that i don't represent and will never represent i mean i'm talking hundreds and hundreds of hours every single year and uh, some of those people i can't help and some of those people i choose not to help because i can't i don't think i can do a good job for them but I'm never upset by those calls, never disappointed by those calls. The the idea is to help people understand what their rights are, and you're better off with that call as made sooner rather than later. 
We have another text from a listener. This one's saying, what do I do when I have an accident? When somebody rear ends me? We'll be back. We're going to pause for a moment. Be thinking about that. And uh, for those of you listening, this may be one of those questions you want to take some notes on. Get it firmly in your mind. We'll be right back. John Day is our guest. WGNS talks about all things local. It's Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. Weekday mornings at 10 on WGNS, AM, FM, and online. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Come see us for all your gardening needs. We'd have everything you want for those gardens and your lawns. If you're needing special gifts or if you're trying to take care of your feathered friends and furry friends, please come see us. Tina, where are you located? The Rutherford Co-op is located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. And you don't have to be a member to shop here. The Rutherford Farmers Co-op on Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off South Church. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. We'll see sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the mid-80s. Northeast winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, low near 56. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 54. Turn your fingers into a microphone and talk back. WGNSRadio.com is Rutherford County's online source for what matters to you. WGNSRadio.com. Welcome back. We're in the final moments of our program with local attorney John Day, the law firm of John Day. And John, that uh, listener was saying, what do I do if I'm involved in an accident? Somebody rear ends me. What should I do first? What should I do, period? Well, the first thing, if there's any, if there's any damage whatsoever to the vehicles, the police need to be called, and they need to make a formal report. A lot of people find themselves being sorry for the people who rear-ended them. Maybe it's a 16-year-old kid, or... And, and he or she is crying and upset and they don't want to disturb the parents, whatever, the, whatever it is. And, and then the person is gone and there's no official report of what happened. You need to have an official report of what happened. Number two, you need to cooperate with the investigating officer. You need to tell him or her the truth. Number three, if you've got a medical issue, seek medical help. Now, I am not one of these lawyers who says, jump in the ambulance and run to the emergency room <laughs> every time you get in a, in a rear-ender. It depends on what's going on with your body. Listen to it. Trust it. If you need to go, and particularly if the paramedics uh, rep- think you have to go, follow their advice. If you don't go that day, what many people see is if it's a, a neck or back injury, they won't really f- feel that until the next day or maybe even the day after that. Then what you need to do is promptly seek medical attention. Depending on how serious it is, you go to the emergency room. But if it's just a 
something that wasn't there before and is hurting you, you should go either to an urgent care clinic, costs a whole lot less than uh, an emergency room, or to your family doctor and report to him or her what happened. Now, while you're at the wreck scene right after it happened, should you take pictures? Should you take notes? Should you ask questions? So I think it is important to take pictures if you can. It, to ascertain the location of the vehicles and the damage to each vehicle. The police officer should get the name and insurance information from the, uh, each driver involved. If you, can, if you have an ability to document that, you should get that information too. You could take a picture of the person's insurance card. You should share your insurance card with the other driver and the police officer. So, but that's very hard to do sometimes in the stress of the situation. I, I understand. Or you don't want to appear like you are uh, trying to capitalize on the situation. But documentation is important. And, you know, you tell me the precise situation, I can tell you exactly what to do. <laughs> but okay. in, but in, I'm, I'm giving you general guidelines. Use, use your gut to figure out whether you should be taking photographs with your cell phone, most people have them, and what information you should get. Here's a question, probably our last one we can take today, but this one said, uh, I was in an accident recently and I looked in my billfold and I did not have my current insurance card. I do have one, it's at home, I have not put it in my wallet. Should I call my, should I have called my spouse and gotten her to rush it to me? Well, you, that's one thing you could do. Uh, if you don't have your card with you, the officer could elect to give you a citation for failure to have proof of, an insur of insurance in your vehicle. And so one way to fix that is to have a spouse bring it. Another one is to take a picture with your cell phone Good idea. and keep it with you all the time. And the third one is this. Um, I have developed an envelope for people to put that sort of information in. It also has what you should do if you're in a wreck. And if the caller or anybody else who's listening would like a free envelope like that just to put in your glove box, just uh, call my office and ask for one, give the address, and we'll mail it to you. Great. So I think you've helped people already. This is important. Well, I hope so. I hope so. And for people who have questions, if you have more specific questions uh, or if you have a, an accident and are reaching out for some help, what is a good number to call you? 615-867-9900. Uh, We're oh. over on Medical Center Parkway. Uh, okay, here right across from the hospital. Right across from the hospital. Okay, very good. John Day visiting with us this morning. A big help. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me here, Bart. Fantastic. Have a great weekend. Uh, I hope you have a great one also. And uh, stay with us. Much more to come. Bill Krauss is coming up next. Very interesting program. Bill always has some super guests on. Today is definitely no exception. John Day, local attorney, our guest today. We'll see you tomorrow.